Hey, thanks for tuning into our podcast today. My name is Derek Puckett. I'm the lead pastor at Renewal Church of Chicago. If you want to know more information about us, you can head to our website at RenewalChicago.com. I pray today that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. Um, we're going to be in Colossians this morning, so if you can try to make your way over there like I'm going to do. Uh, Colossians chapter 4. Um, we're nearing the end of our series this morning. And um, has Colossians been good for you? It's been good. It's been, it's been a good series. And I, I think today will go uh, well with your uh, just everything that's going on in our world and just where you are right now. So Colossians chapter 4, um, as we've been kind of thinking about what it means to come back to Jesus, being central on him. Colossians chapter 4, I'm going to do a little bit different today. So I'll preach and then you'll hear from some of your peers towards the end. Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 6. If you would, go ahead and stand to your feet if you're able as we read the word of God. Hear now the reading of God's word. Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. It reads, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word, to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Very word of God. Amen. Today I want to preach on this topic, walking in wisdom and prayer. Walking in wisdom and prayer. Let's pray. Father, right now I just pray simply that you would hide me behind your cross. Decrease me so that you may increase in this place. Father, we need a word from you this morning. Not from me, but from you. Move in the hearts of your people this morning, Spirit. Spirit of God, have your way. In Jesus' name, we all said, amen. Amen. You can be seated. Y'all ever met someone and, and just said, man, I want to learn more from them? Like, I maybe just said, I kind of want to be like them a little bit. Or, or maybe you said, um, I at least want to take something from them when I leave them. Y'all ever, ever had that experience that just came across you? Um, I remember the first time I met my mentor slash pastor, Brian Loritz. Many of you have heard him preach. He's come here a few times. And. Kaylee and I, we walked into uh, the church in Memphis, Tennessee back in 2010, and uh, I had yet to meet Brian, uh, but back then, and this is a little insider joke, sometimes white people think we all look alike, and um, some of y'all laughed, some of y'all snickered, and didn't know if I was supposed to laugh at that, but it's okay. And, uh, but me and Brian somewhat did look alike back then. I had real low hair, he had, I had hair back then, he had really low cut hair, his wife is half white, half Mexican. My wife is half white, half Belizean. So when I walked in the church, I had never been there before, but immediately everyone was like, oh, Brian's here. It's time to preach because he always came late and stuff. And uh, I'm like, I'm not Brian. I'm not Brian. Uh, but I had, yet, I had yet to meet him. And uh, we walked into the service. And as he started preaching, I remember that first time, I, 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 my mouth was probably open all the way up because I I'd never heard a black guy 
preached so eloquently and clear, uh, not only to black people, but white people in the room too. And specifically in Memphis, Tennessee, which is one of the most divided uh, racially uh, cities in America. And he preached and I, I could not believe what I was seeing. And we went out to lunch right after that and I berated him with questions and he answered each question and I watched him uh, with his family and how he functioned with his wife and his three boys. And as the lunch proceeded at P.F. Chang's, he, he told my wife and I, he said, hey, why don't you and Kaylee and Ramaya move down to Memphis and y'all can live with us. Uh, we moved down a month later and we lived with Brian for the next four months, him and his wife and his three boys. And during those four months, I was able to travel with him places I had never been. The first week I went to L.A., had never been there. I sat in meetings that I had no business being in. And I, I literally saw him preach the white off the walls. And if y'all don't know what that means, it's colloquial for the fact that the boy can go in the pulpit. He can preach like none other and no matter what setting. And I had never seen anything like that before. And I, I wanted to know more. I, I said, I, I need to know more about this, Brian Loritz. And I never had seen not only somebody preach so great, but he was consistently the same in every setting. It was something I had never really seen before. I rode to work with him every day, and I witnessed him with his boys praying over them and making sure they gave him a kiss every day before they got out of the car, something I do with all my kids, right, Mama? Every day. She doesn't like it, but she gives me a kiss every day before she gets out the car. I, I witnessed him love on his wife and love his uh, kids and I, I saw them, his wife and him, speak on various platforms to which my wife and I speak on a lot of those same platforms together. I, I watched him sermon prep every week where I saw him get up before the sun rose in the morning uh, to read, to pray, and to work out. Family, I, I could go on and on and on about my pastor or Loritz as I like to call him, but I say all this to say is that Watch this. When, when, you, when you meet or witness a person that walks in prayer, lives a life full of wisdom, walks humbly before the Lord, it's attractive, Michelle. It's attractive. It's attractive. It makes you want to be like them or, or at least learn what they know. And see, much of who I am today or as a pastor and preacher comes from Brian Loritz. Now, now, let me ask you, who have you watched that has walked in front of you that has lived a life worth copying? You, you saw them and said, I, I, I need to take that. I need a little bit of that for myself. Uh, in our text today, Paul is he's bringing the book of Colossians to a close, and he's exhorting the church to stay steadfast in prayer and walk in wisdom in light of all that has been told to them about who Jesus is. But today, like last week, it's more other-centered. It's more about each other and the people that you love outside of yourself. Paul wants them to pray for the gospel or the good news to be made clear and for them to walk upright before others. What's your life look like? Uh, three points, and I'm out your way. Number one, pray steadfastly. Uh, two, pray for your leaders. And number three, walk in wisdom. Pray steadfastly, pray for your leaders, and walk in wisdom. 
Now, by way of reminder here in the book of Colossians, uh, Paul here has been walking the Colossian church through who Jesus is, who he's been in their midst, and he's, he's trying to, to let them know about who he, who, what he's done and, and bring them back to this understanding of who they are in Christ. Now, the reason being, as I, I've talked about week in and week out, is that there are many different beliefs that have come into the land that have kind of pervaded the land, and, and he's trying to keep them from believing something or trusting in something that may be destructive towards their walk with Jesus. So he's bringing them back to Jesus. He said, let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about the centrality of Christ and how he affects every part of your life. He wants them to know who they are in Jesus. So he used the first two chapters of Colossians to tell them about Jesus. Where he's supreme, he's the ruler of all things, he's the creator of everything, he's the head of the church. But he also died in your place on the cross, those nails in his hands and nails in his feet. And because of this being true in chapter 3, he switches gears and he says, well, okay, now that you believe, now walk in Jesus. Walk in Christ. Keep your mind on things above and put on the things now that are Christ-like. Thus, Paul in short is saying, walk in your identity now as a son or daughter of God. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't want them to re revert backwards. He says, all that stuff that you were or the things that you used to believe. In fact, in chapter 3, he says, he says put it to death. He says, don't, don't go backwards. That, that's not where I want you in that understanding of the world and what they had, what they thought about you or the understanding you had about yourself. Put it to death. And, and now he says, no, I want you to turn to Jesus. And I, I, don't, I don't want you to, to live in who you once were. It, it's not about what you do. It's about who you focus on. So he says, put your mind and set your mind on things above and, and let your heart be set on Jesus. See, Paul doesn't give them a list of things to do so they can leave out and go to work uh, and, 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 and get it all done after, after church. He's like, I'm not going to walk you through all of this so you just know what to do because it's not about what you do with your hands. He says, set your mind on Christ. Because all the things that he says put on when he talks about uh, compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and the new clothes of a believer, patience, he says all of that comes as a result of dwelling richly in the word of God. He says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, verse 16 of chapter 3. Uh, this means when you read your Bible and as you stay in godly community in your groups, Christ will be the one that will work in and through you for his good, for your good, and for his glory. Don't miss that. Don't miss that. Walking with Christ is a walk where we trust him by faith for salvation, but it's also a day-to-day -day walk where we continue to trust him by faith every day in all that we do. We're trusting and believing all day long. And this brings us to where we are in the passage today because Paul begins his ending here. He basically says, now that you know who Jesus is and what he's done and how you're to walk in him, keep your mind on him, all of that, Paul now keeping with the theme of last week and the focus or uh, being on relational uh, with others, being relational with others, in verse 2 he says, continue steadfast in prayer and be thankful. Everyone say be thankful. Be steadfast in prayer and be thankful. Now, if I'm honest... In today's society or the church, we miss the significance of this statement because nowadays prayer has become all about what we can get from God. 
Prayer has become all about what can God do for me. When in actuality, prayer is not really about you. It's about God. And see, see, when we pray and we, we lift our hands or we bow our heads, it, it leads to our dependence on God. It, it's us revering and recognizing there's someone out there that's bigger, better than we are, knows more than we do, and I need to rely on him. And see, in short, in all that we've talked about with all the false theology that has kind of come into the land of Colossae, and, or even yet in our land where we had all these things that have bombarded us through this pandemic, where we've, you need to believe this or you need to believe that, or you have this racist rhetoric or racism, period, all of these things that have happened that have caused weariness or, or the sin and temptation in your life or the lack of strength to get through the temptation. Paul says, look, look, in all of that, hear me, I've told you all about who Christ is so that you not only know your new identity in him as a son or daughter of God, but watch this. I've told you about it so that you can continually rely on him. I need you reliant on God. This is why he says, stay steadfast and watchful in your prayer. Now, I'm going to give you three reasons why he says Pray steadfastly and be watchful. You want to pray without ceasing. Number one, uh, being watchful because Jesus said in Matthew chapter 25, for the return of Christ is coming. Like Christ is coming. We don't know where he, when he's coming. He says he's coming. He's going to release us from this world and all the chaos around it. And we look to that day. We can't wait until he comes back as believers. We look to that day. But Paul says here, be watchful in your prayer because you don't know when that day comes, but you need to be steadfast and watchful because it's coming. So continually look forward to this day, but stay steadfast. Uh, secondly, you want to pray steadfast, be, being watchful so that you don't fall into temptation. Because how many of y'all know there's some things in your life, no matter how hard you try, no matter how, how hard you fight it, you can't beat it by yourself. Come on. Y'all been there? I see heads moving. Didn't know see no hands. I mean, I'm with it. Okay, cool, cool. We ain't got masks on. I want to see faces and stuff. Yes. Sometimes there's things in your life that are, that are way too big for you to handle. I can't get through this. Some of y'all were there last night or this week. You're like, why do I keep struggling with this thing? Why do I keep coming back to this? I can't, why, why, why do I keep failing here? And in that moment, you need to say, oh, Jesus, I need you to take the wheel. This is... This is too much for me. Why do I keep coming back to this place? So you want to, secondly, continually pray, and you're being steadfast because in that moment, when you can't conquer something, it teaches you to be more dependent on God because there's nothing too big for him. Nothing too big for him. When I woke up to all these text messages, there's nothing I can do about what happened in Buffalo. And the only thing I can say is, Jesus, take the wheel. Come, Lord, Jesus, come. That does not mean go out and stand up against, don't do that, don't stand up against injustice. That's not what I'm saying. But even in all my efforts, I can't fix it all. But he can. And he can give me rest for my weary heart. Jesus, Jesus, I need you. Lastly, you want to pray and be watchful to see how God answers your prayers. I love this one. There, there's something about taking a journal, and hopefully you have a journal, and just writing your prayers down. 
It's something about it. And then you look back on your prayers and you look back how God has been faithful and what he's done in your life, which now furthers your dependence on him. See, Paul says stay watchful in prayer. And watch this because as you see God start to move in your life, it causes a spirit of thankfulness, which now counteracts the me-centeredness of the world. Don't miss that. See, as you pray more and you focus on God and you start to see him work in your life, it, it causes this spirit of thankfulness, which again counteracts the me-centeredness world. In essence, Paul's saying, be dependent on Jesus. Be dependent on Jesus. He moves on in verse 3 to 4, and he says, pray for us. He's saying, pray for us, your spiritual leaders, so that as he declares the mystery of Christ, it will be shared clearly without hindrance, not even by the jail cell that he sits in right now. He's saying, that's not even hindered. Pray for the word to go forth. Paul here is speaking uh, to something that, I believe is, is very devalued in our culture and specifically in church culture. He says, pray for your leaders. And in this case, specifically, he's saying, pray for your spiritual leaders. Now, this one struck a chord with me. He's saying, pray for us. So, so as the word goes forth, it, it struck a chord with me because if I can be honest, I'm just be real vulnerable for a moment um, as a lead pastor. And I'm not singling anybody out with this one. But I get way more negative feedback or no feedback at all than I get prayers and positivity. Pastor, we need to do more of this or we should do that or we should have did this. And I don't like what you said in this sermon or you need to start this group or we need to have that. And, and, and even people questioning my integrity, whether it be in my face or behind my back. And, and, and in reality... When all of these things happen, if I'm just being honest, sometimes I just want to look at people. Okay, you know how to do it. Well, you go do it then. You, you got it. Go, go do it. Let, let me see how you do it. Let me see. And again, I don't say this singling anybody out right now or making people feel bad or try to coerce you into doing something. I'm just being honest. Pastoring, hear me, because people don't know this. It's one of the hardest jobs a person can do because you have to run a business there's a business part to a church and in my case you got to start the business you have to lead it lead a staff all of those things etc that a fortune 500 company would do without all the accolades and 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 then at the same time you got to plan a message or speech in some case for some people every week preach it eloquently so people can hear it and then most importantly care for hundreds of people's souls at the same time. But this is hard. And it's most certainly a calling. It's not something you just wake up and be like, I aspire to be a pastor one day. I, I try to talk people out of this thing. You don't want to do this. As Paul says, pray for us. And sadly, praying for your pastors and leaders is undervalued. Some hear how there's this belief that because pastors preach and they teach the word, we don't have issues. We don't, we don't have needs. 
Friends, I'm, some of the most uplifting times in our church have been when I come to you and I say, how are you doing? And you're like, how are you doing, Pastor? Can I pray for you right now? And I'm like, oh, yes, you can pray for me. Now, don't all of y'all come up to me after church trying to pray for me. <laughs> That's overwhelming. <laughs> but those are some uplifting times because I know I'm not in it by myself. See, the point that Paul is saying here is that, that preaching the gospel Giving the good news is important, and the minister needs to be prayed for, needs to know that you're in it with me. I read time and time again of pastors that are failing in ministry, falling in ministry, whether it be moral failure or something else. The pastor's dying, and in a result, churches close down, and the people, they leave the faith sometimes never to come back to church, and the reason why is because your pastor or your spiritual leader plays a vital role in your life that is commonly overlooked until it's gone. You ever heard the saying, you never know how good it was until it was gone? Now there's a hole. My, my friend this week, he's a pastor in Atlanta. He and his wife, they got in a car accident. They drove, drove a big truck. He's a big dude, and they drive a big truck and he was driving 75 miles an hour on the freeway in Atlanta and somebody slammed on the brakes just brake checking him and he had to swerve over cross lanes and he hit the guardrail and the truck this is the day before Mother's Day flipped over the guardrail tumbled down the side of a hill over five times and hit a tree to keep them from uh, going it's him and his wife in the car right before Mother's Day needless to say that the truck is is totaled there's nothing that can be fixed on the truck. They had hot coffee in the car that spilled everywhere. And they crawled out of the car without a scratch or burn. Miraculous. As I praised God for how good he was to keep them, I couldn't help to think about the upheaval that would have happened within his family if something would have occurred there to them. And then I thought about the hole that would have been left in the church and in Atlanta because of who he was to the city. Paul here is saying we need to pray for our leaders. We need to pray as the word goes forth. See, what I'm saying is that it's important. It's important to pray for the pastors and spiritual leaders in your life. He's inviting the church into praying for the word of God to go forth. He's saying, don't, don't just receive the word, but I need you to pray for those that have yet to receive the word. Pray as I preach. This is why the great preacher Charles Spurgeon, great British preacher back in the 1800s, says he, he would preach to many people, thousands of people, thousands of sermons, and thousands of people would actually get saved. Uh, he was an eloquent preacher, but if you asked him, and where does all your success come from, uh, Charles Spurgeon would never tell you that it's because of all the books I read or the many accolades and achievements I've had or my eloquent speech or my preparation or my time with God. But he would stand there and tell you with his beard and all that the reason I'm so great or successful is because of what happens below the pulpit. See, if you went in the basement of the Metropolitan Tabernacle, while he's preaching, you would see hundreds of people on their hands and knees praying for God to move. Praying that the gospel would impact the hearts of the people. We need to pray 
for our leaders. Pray for the word to go forth and for hearts to be open. Lastly here, Paul turns the corner as he gets ready to end in verses 5 through 6. And he says, walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Paul here, very quickly now, after saying pray steadfast and pray for your leaders, he now says, walk in wisdom amongst others. See, what Paul is essentially saying here is that your life is not solely about you, but about how you live in it in front of others, which in turn should make others want Jesus. For this last point, I'm going to bring uh, three or four folks here up from Renewal. I want y'all to hear from them. It was just going to be three ladies because uh, I wanted to have an enhanced celebration of women from Mother's Day and stuff. But then I was like, yo, Mike just graduated from seminary. I want to hear what he got to say. And so they're going to come up here and talk practically about what it looks like to live your life uh, seasoned with salt. What does it look like um, to walk your life out in front of one another? And I want you guys to just see what this looks like for you. Come on up. Thank you, fellas. Can you grab that mic right there? So. Oh, y'all go ahead and sit. It's all good. I, I need to stand. I think they're trying to tell me I need to lose some weight or something. It's all good. I'll stand up. You got me, Reverend. Um, well, first off, I just want to thank y'all for jumping up here really quickly and just uh, talking with us. I really want to uh, just point of this is, I think sometimes we think about it way too uh, deep when it comes to living our life out in front of others. And Paul, specifically in this last verse, he, he says, walking wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. He's really talking about living your life in front of other people. And so what I love to hear, I don't, I'm not going to venture to say everybody knows who you are, so if you just say your name and what you do for work, that'd be great. You got the mic on. I can start. Uh, for those who don't know me, my name is Lauren Roberge. I work with Athletes in Action, which is a campus ministry at UIC and then DePaul University. Hi, good morning. I am Michelle Hudson. I'm in IT information technology. I work at Microsoft. Hi, everybody. My name is Mike Crespel, and I am a pastoral resident here at Renewal full-time. And I'm Kaylee, and I am a PE teacher and a mom of five and a personal trainer Everything and a pastor's wife. <laughs> Wonder Woman. Um, well, first, I would love you to just say, uh, what, when you hear those words, specifically in verses five and six, um, just from observation, what, what stands out to you all in that? What, what's, like, key to you? Um, I think the biggest part for me, even with like rereading it, was the let your speech always be gracious. Um, I think about that being one of the most wise areas that we as believers can look different than the world. Um, and I am in campus ministry, but I think even reading this is a reminder that it's like just because you're in ministry doesn't mean you're a super Christian at this. Like I need to be doing this all the time, and it's still hard. 
but yeah, gracious with your speech. So I, for me, that mostly just means like the world often gossips or how we have small talk is often about others. Like I think about almost all my relationships outside of my close, even Christian friends though, I feel like sometimes that's the nature yeah. of catching up on each other's lives is let me just get the dirt on what's going on in the world. And it sometimes can be in the form of like, oh, I want to find out because I care, but it ends up just being gossip. And so I think for me, being gracious with my speech, seasoned with salt, like I want the people around me to always be like, Lauren won't say a bad thing about someone. And that almost annoys them. Like I hope that annoys my friends that they're like, dang it, I'm trying to talk crap and Lauren's not letting us talk crap. Like I want to go there, but she won't let me. And so that's something that I think about often is like, how can my speech always be gracious and seasoned with salt so that no one thinks that I'm something they can gossip with, That's if that good. makes sense. That's good. I think for me, the first part of it, walk in wisdom, and then the last one ought to answer each person. Um, it, it doesn't say, like, preach to everyone that comes around, right? It, it talks about walking, and, and to me, there's a, a sense of being present mm. and walking with God to seek out that wisdom um, because he's going to bring different people in your path, whether it's the workplace, socially, um, here within our church. And so I think just going to him first and asking for that wisdom so that when you do have those interactions, he may place one on your heart, you know, yeah. and maybe it's just a, hey, how are you today? Or maybe it's a, I saw the scripture and I thought about you. Um, but to me, that, that those two pieces just stood out about like being present. There's a, I think a verse in Philippians where it's, um, you know, we, st- we are still working out our salvation right. with fear and trembling. And so uh, just trusting God to be, to be um, in his presence and then walk in his presence as you interact with the people that you're going to come across throughout your, the day, the week, the month, the year. That's good. That's good. Who wants it? Who wants it? One more. more. (laughs) Um, You know, just kind of thinking about what you shared and what happened yesterday. And I think for, for myself, just realizing that um, so many of the people that you come across have sincere, deep wrestlings with life and an understanding of why do I even do what I do or why is the world the way that it is? And I think often we get so caught up in the hustle and bustle of life, the, the just kind of normal rhythms of life that we forget that we are engaging, encountering souls that have eternal destinations and those people are longing whether consciously or subconsciously but there's a longing a god-sized void in their heart and we have uh, the truth of the gospel and the hope of eternal glory with jesus christ to be able to share and i think the more we can allow that to uh you know, run with the season with salt, marinate, if you will, in in our hearts and minds, we are more prepared to engage that individual and meet them where they are with the hope of the gospel. That's good. Because eternity is on our minds as well. That's good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I I love that. I was thinking when he was saying this, uh, just the thought of, you know, being on mission, that we are always on mission, no matter where you go. When you, when I wake up in the morning, I, 
try to remember to give this day to God and say, how will you use me? And you think about military, there's so many military references in the Bible and and it's, it helps you just see like, okay, I am an ambassador for Christ, I represent him and I am working out here for him. So how I live that out practically is I ask God, how can you use me today? You know everyone's heart, you know what they're struggling with. How can I bless someone today? So I'm a PE teacher. I see kids having struggle time, struggling time. I try to speak life into them, encourage them. Um, at the grocery store, let someone go in front of you. Or in traffic, let someone go in front of you, which is really hard. The kids n- notice that a lot with me. I'm like, you know, maybe they're having a bad day. I'm going to let them go. And we sit and we pray for them. I don't know what's going on, why they wouldn't let me in. But maybe something's going on. Um, So praying for them, we see an ambulance go by, we pray for them. So just always looking on mission, how you can bless someone. Really quickly, I was at the the gym, and I was just praying, and I asked God, I said, please, let me just bless someone today. How can I I help someone? Literally, turned the corner, and this girl was like, do you have a hair tie? And it may seem small to you, but she had really long hair, and she was like, man... I need to work out and I don't have a hair tie. And she just happened to ask me, so I gave it to her. She starts telling me about how she, I told her, I just prayed this, like, how can I serve someone today? And I shared that with her and she was like, man, that's so wild. I just bought someone gummy bears because they didn't have enough, enough uh, money. And um, everybody in the store was like, God bless you. Like, it's just a <laughs> ripple effect. Then a woman comes in, compliments me on my pants that I was wearing. Mind you, I was struggling with the way that I was looking and just feeling self-conscious. And then God's like, you look amazing. She thinks you look amazing. So just use, your words are so powerful. Take advantage of every opportunity to glorify God. That's good. She should preach, right? Um, I did want to, with that, you already went into it, Kels. Um, don't turn it off. The, uh, um, what is, you just talk about practically what that looks like. I want to give them that too. I think it's uh, sometimes we really think too hard about this. I got to get a sermon together. I got to figure out um, what I want to say. I have to have it all rehearsed. Uh, But Paul's like, this is all real practical. Walk in wisdom. Let your speech always be gracious. Season with salt. Like it, salt loses its season. It's no good. Like so. And y'all, I like my, I like salt on my food. I like to taste that season. Chicken without salt is nasty. Sorry if y'all like just boiled chicken, that's nasty. But, uh, but I, I want y'all to just really, like, what are, what's some things that you do practically where you just think, like, man, this is me living it out. You just gave us some examples, but is there anything else? Thank you. Up, yeah. Um, yeah, I think practically for me, uh, I shared a little bit, but a lot of it has to do with speech. I try to think through... Um, yeah, how I can use my words. And so one example that I was just thinking of when you said that was, I had a, it was actually my uh, roommate's boyfriend, um, all of college, and now I've been out of college for a while, so uh, have been in this relationship with her, obviously, but then with him because he's been around. And he, when I was in college, I would always talk pretty deeply with my roommates about what was going on. Like I didn't, I always wanted to know deeper, right? Kind of what you were getting at, Mike. Like these are eternal souls. Like I want to care for them. I want to know what's really going on in their life. So I felt like we always had deep conversations. And this boyfriend was always kind of around. Like and he was just kind of like a, a fly on the wall. Like he'd be in the room and always be like, dang, Lauren's always asking these deep questions to these ladies. But I'm like, whatever, if Alex is in the room, I'm just going to say it. Um, and then like it would invite him to Bible studies and stuff. But he never really participated. He would just sit and watch. 
And then like five years after college, he, we like still see him frequently. He came to our wedding. Um, and he always said, like, says to me, like, I have yet to meet a group of people. He's like since moved um, to Colorado where he's like, I just don't talk deeply with people like I did with you guys. And in my head, I'm like laughing because I'm like, you didn't even participate in the conversation then when we were talking deeply, but it like was so profound to him that he's like, I, I've yet to meet or have friend groups where we just don't talk about like, we don't go, like, deep like you did. Like, you always ask really deep questions. And I just remember that was really helpful for me because I'm like, yeah, everywhere I go, whether I was at the hairdresser this week, and, like, for women, we know that's, like, a three-hour, sometimes longer experience. And it's like, yeah, I, want, I don't want to leave those places having just had shallow conversation. And everybody hates that anyway. Like, nobody likes yeah. talking about the weather for three hours. Like, so I think it's just, like, everywhere I go, I want to be able to go deep so that, like, there's meaningful conversation with the people in my life. That's so good. That's good. I think for me, practically, um, so in the professional world, uh, I, <laughs> I, well, really, I, I've always tried to kind of, like, blend in because wherever I have been, I've been, like, the only one. So even in my high school, I was the only black graduate, and then in IT as a woman, as a black woman, and I think I just, for a while, even though my personality is like very extroverted with the, with yeah. the splash of yeah. extra, I still was always like, <laughs> and so at some point I just felt God say like, I didn't make you to fit in. Mm. And I was mm. like, huh, all right. Uh, and so I think for me, it's just practically how I try to engage. And so um, even in work conversations and meetings and projects, I had someone say, like, Michelle, when you come in the room or you're on the, like, I'm, things are going to be okay. And so just, I think even the fact that I, I try to pray in the morning and dedicate the day to God and ask for that wisdom. And so that when we are tackling difficult things or big decisions, that I can bring that sense of calm. But, you know, we're having fun. We're going to make it work, that optimistic um, perspective. Um, and then I also have a passion for children. And so uh, me serving at Renewal uh, with the kids, it is a, it is a, I wouldn't want to cry. It is such a joy for me because sometimes I'm like, I should have been a teacher. <laughs> but um, it's, such a, it's such a joy for me. And so even ways which I want to do more of is, you know, the parents that have children here and having, like, parents night out or just, hey, I'm going to come by and watch the kids for a little. Like, it is an absolute joy for me. And it's a win-win, right? So I want to do more of those things. Um, but I think just practically uh, ask God for what can I do today to bless someone? How can what you've given me be a blessing to someone. So that's that walking in wisdom. That's just asking God, what are the practical things that I can do day to day? And it might change, right, as we go through different seasons. But um, that's, that's kind of my perspective there. That's good. If I can uh, say some things about Michelle. So many of you don't know, she had a huge back surgery, and she is sitting on this stage <laughs> pain-free and just yes. like... <laughs> and you would never know because of her spirit and just how yeah. smile. She's just always... Just, just what'd you say? A splash of extra. I like. It. <laughs> but one thing I wanted to say is last year we went, and I, don't know, I just told her this, so I don't know if she knew. But we went to her party, and she was introduced me as her pastor and everything. But everybody felt I th they all knew me already. Like, yeah, we all we watch you online. Yeah, Michelle talks about you all the time. And the reality is, is that she is living what she's said, mm -hmm. and um, it was proof in the pudding at that party. So, way to go. That's good. Uh, for myself, so I'm, I'm Puerto Rican, all right? So Latinos, we... Through and through. We had all the food yesterday. Dog. Yeah. It was good. I told you. I told you. We, we know how to get you. down. God's going to bless you. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so for us, culturally, it's, it's, you know, it's not as difficult to be with people, to open up our homes, to feed others. But I think what changed for me 
to be able to kind of uh, live this out more biblically is having a more biblical understanding of hospitality. Mm-hmm. So hosp- good. yeah, good. hospitality, it, it's not simply, you know, I'm going to make you coffee or I'm going to open up my home. I think biblical hospitality encourages this idea that your home or your, your space, wherever that may be, is it's a moment where the kingdom of God and the reality of that individual situation collide. And, you know, I, I love the ending of that verse so that you may know what you ought to answer each person. There's a, an understanding there that, and this is hard for a preacher, that you're not always speaking, but rather you're allowing that individual to kind of share what's on their heart, the questions they may have. And you're there as a vessel of God in that moment to help reveal the kingdom of God in the situation and story of that individual. And so I think, and this is, you know, so I help oversee small groups. So this is my, this is my jam. I love this. Imagine a church that gets that. Mm-hmm. Two, three, four hundred people that say, I want to be an ambassador of God's kingdom in my home, in my community. Like the Lord can do something amazing and we have the opportunity to be a part of that. That's so. good, Reverend. That's good. Thank you, guys. I think the whole point of this is to just kind of pull out some things practically so you can think about it in your own lives and what it looks like for you to live out. Um, uh, uh, in a way to walk in wisdom and make the best use of time. I love that. Not, not wasting any of the time and your speech being gracious, seasoned with salt uh, so that you may have all the answers. And here's the reality. I, as I was reading a, a con- commentary saying that sometimes you don't know all the answers, but you're continually in your word. So the next time you come to that person, you got the answer. Or you can talk to somebody. So it's continually preparing yourself to be ready in and out of season. Um, Matthew 28, when he talks about going out and make disciples, he says, go make disciples. Um, the imperative in that uh, verse is make. And so be, be really it's read, as you go, make disciples. And when you think about when I was talking about Brian Loritz and his life, he wasn't doing anything but just taking me along. I was riding the car with him on planes and in meetings, and I'm just watching. That's all I did. And that's making disciples. It's just practical in what he did on a daily basis, and that's what he was doing. Babe, did you want to say anything else, just kind of end that off? Was there any other last wisdom you want to impart to us? Um, thanks. Yeah, I, for me, like personally, like being in front of people and just feeling like you have to have all the words to say, a lot of times I would be crippled by that. Or even just one-on-one, it's like, okay, we're gonna, I'm going to disciple you. I don't know where to start, you know? But what really impacted my life was just sitting at the feet of other people that, like, I just wanted to be more like. So our mentors, we were always over their houses and uh, just taking those little nuggets. And that's how we decided to run, have our marriage and raise our kids um, and things that you want to be, become more knowledgeable, listening to podcasts, listening to books, um, all, all those things will really help encourage you just to be more prepared uh, to answer. You may not have the words then, but take the time. Say, I'm, I don't know how to, to explain that more to you, but I'm going to take the time to read and learn more about it, and I'm going to come back to you and to go back to them. Yeah, 
So God doesn't tell you to know all the things. Uh, a lot of the disciples were not very educated men by the world's views. So he can use us all. Amen. 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 So as we come to the table this morning, I, I really want to pray for us. But I want you all to kind of go with that in mind and understanding that um, it's, it's practical. It's not, it doesn't have to be real heavy or deep in terms of how you live your lives. And especially in the times that we live in right now uh, with the, everything that happened yesterday and all the things that are happening around the nation or even in your communities. I want you to think practical. Don't think, I got to have the, the answer. I got to figure it out all right now. It may just be going out to eat and, and being hospitable, um, making sure you use your words wisely with somebody. You never know what it's going to do. And so think practically what that looks like. What's that next step for you in your walk as you live amongst the community? Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your goodness. God, I thank you for your word that encourages us, but also um, can prick and challenge us at the same time. God, I pray that we be a people that it's prayerful and steadfast and watchful in our prayer life, that we pray for our leaders and those that spiritually lead us, God, and we'd also walk in a manner that's pleasing to you, walk in wisdom. God, let us not complicate it too much, God, but let us, as we go, encourage those along the way. And if we don't know what that looks like or know the answer, God, let us seek after you. Lord, I pray that you would speak to the hearts of those that may be confused, may not know what to do, may even say, I've never known Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I pray even right now uh, that you would enter their hearts and you would draw them towards you and they would understand the kindness, the goodness, and the love that was bestowed upon them and on their behalf when you died on the cross, Jesus. God, I pray that would be an encouragement to us too. That, that type of love is what spurs us on to continue to live in the midst of the craziness of our world and the turmoil of our souls, God, so that we can let your glory shine on a world that needs to know you and needs you. So God, be lifted up in our lives now and forevermore. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus we all said together, amen. Thanks again for tuning into our podcast today. I pray that it was a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. I look to see you at one of our services at 9 or 11 a.m. on Sunday morning. Take care. God bless you.